We are Wrestling Elitist. I am your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, joined as always with Sean Nash and Alex Gibson. What up, boys? Hello, hello. What's going on? Hello to all the listeners, but especially Max Caster this week. Love you, Max. You killed it. All righty. Speaking of killing it, uh, how about those playoffs this weekend, huh? What? What a drag. Yeah. Boring, boring all around. Yeah. Could you imagine a bunch of football teams winning at home? It'll <laughs> 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 never happen to you, fuckers. Mm. You know, it's not cool. Yeah. That's well, cool. you came in so down last time, so I'm going to start just kick you down again to start the show. <laughs> Tonight's the night Stafford gets his win, so you, that's like half a win for me. So there's no oh, that's way a loss. Not, there's no way he's not getting pick six again. That no, that's oh. like to me. To me, Stafford having a great playoff game would be way worse than any other like outcome of the playoffs. <laughs> oh, come on. He has- he has Josh Allen's game. No, I want him to have. I want. I want him to have an excellent game and then throw a pick six that loses them the game with like two minutes left. That would be the chef's kiss for me. Mm, my heart would shatter. Yeah, but. perfectly on brand for him. Well, all right. So uh, <laughs> this is wrestling. Yeah. Anyways, back to wrestling. So uh, again, feel free to subscribe to the show via iTunes or Spotify. Uh, and uh, have a question you want us to discuss on the show, feel free to add one to the comment section or tag us at Wrestling Elitist Podcast on Twitter. And we'll discuss whatever it is you want to talk about on the show next week. Uh, and visit our website at WrestlingElitist.com to get our match ratings and latest articles. Just put an article on the website about the finish to Wardlow and CM Punk, which we'll talk about later on in the show. So, Sean, please introduce the format of the show to anyone who's a jabroni and a first-time listener. Yep, every week. It's the match of the week, moment of the week, news item of the week, cringeworthy item of the week, and what we're looking forward to in the weeks and months to come. Alrighty. So uh, what we're going to discuss first, though, is match of the week. Everyone had a different match of the week this week, so we'll have a lot to discuss. So let's start with you, uh, sick boy. What's up? Yeah, I actually uh, I was just looking at our match of the week. So we had and thinking about uh, the fact that I actually could have chosen either of yours as well. I don't think there's anything that stood out as like 100 percent match of the week. Uh, I went with Jurassic Express versus the Dark Order, though, uh, from Rampage. Thought it was a good tag match. There was a couple of really good spots. I think that the uh, Dark Order we've talked about in our group chats and everything, they're kind of that team that, you know, you forget about them, but they're always good. I think they were on like a 10 match winning streak up until this match. They really showed up. And, uh, you know, John, uh, Johnny, Johnny Hungy, I would like to say I hate the fact that it seems like none of the announcers understand what Johnny Hungy is. Like they call him that instead of realizing like it's him saying that he's hungry. Uh, so I just want to point that out about John Silver. It, it's like JR and Jericho, neither of them understand what the joke is at all. Um, there was a couple of, you know, really cool spots to me. And I actually want to say I almost didn't choose this match because I hate Tower of Doom spots. They're my least favorite, like kind of over contrived spots. So um, and just for anybody listening that doesn't know what I'm referring to, it's the that when everybody's in the corner and like people are be- being suplexed and, and yeah. power bombed all at the same time. Uh, but I thought they actually set it up in a, kind of a unique way where it actually made sense to the flow of how it actually happened. It wasn't just a bunch of guys all piling up like slowly one by one. And it like it's starting from a superplex and a double superplex. And some like it just felt the way that kind of Luchasaurus backed into it a little bit. Um, it kind of made sense to me and I was OK with it. Uh, I thought that the uh, outs on the outside when uh, John Silver had, I believe it was uh, Jungle Boy in a suplex position and then Reynolds came out and did that suicide dive, knocking him over. That was an insane spot that I don't really remember ever seeing before. It kind of scared me as I saw it happening. I was like, please don't do this. Please tell me like he's going to get stopped halfway through. Uh, very cool. Um, overall, just a really good match. I think, you know, one thing about jungle boy that I'll say, I've said it before, I'll say it again, whenever he's in some sort of like a multi-man, he always shines, even though I don't love him as a singles performer. And this was another time where he did, it was three stars for me. Um, there wasn't anything super memorable about memorable about it, like that. It's going to make me want to go back to watch it, but very good, especially for a, a taped match. Yeah. I like the false finish they had too, where they did, um, I, I don't even know what moves they hit, but Dark Order hit doubled. Um, that God, that sequence was great, and I'm and I, it just escapes me. But they had like a suplex and a kick and all this shit going on, and 
looked very snug, and then Jungle Boy kicked out, <laughs> which is okay because I mean they just got their run. They're gonna have to go on a, a couple win streaks here. So uh, I thought that was a good match too. Um, yeah, not uh, four star classic, but it was still good. Yeah, like you said, nothing really memorable this week, and it was a good match, but nothing that's gonna keep you going for a couple of weeks. Uh, kind of the all that way, just all around uh, for my match of the week, I went with Adam Cole defeating Trent on Rampage. Just It was a good way to start the match or the start the show. Perfect pairing with someone who has a neck injury, just came back from uh, a nice little time off, and then someone who has a moveset that's entirely based on the neck with the Panama Sunrise, the that brain buster, knee drop, Yoroshi, Yoroshi, whatever it's called, um, the boom shot, knee shot, uh, even like the backstabber that Adam Cole did, just all kind of subtle attacks at Trent's neck that's been compromised over years. But Trent's really come back with a, a nice little fire, I think, uh, more vicious like than, than ever before. Like This would have been perfect in his New Japan heavyweight run, but just wasn't really the character at the time. But the look now just kind of really suits it, and he's just there was some really hard hitting elbows in the match, some brutality. He hit that pile driver on the apron, just a lot better than just the fun loving, hugging best friend Trent than we'd normally see. Um, kind of got the the heat brewing for next week's, or I guess this week's intergender tag match with Britt DMD and Chris Statlander getting to little action on the apron. Excited for that. Kind of just build up for the next couple weeks. So. Hopefully we see a good intergender match out of it, but otherwise three stars, not as memorable as anything else. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the neck, the announcers did a good job and sometimes it's hard on rampage with so many voices in there where the announcing doesn't stick out just because there's so much of it and it's almost like an annoyance, but they did a great job of selling body parts that were getting dissected and especially Trent's neck. Um, and Trent's probably going to be the breakout of the group. If they do do any semblance of a heel turn or they break up, Trent's going to be the likely choice to do that. And I can see him filling a uh, Christian 2004 type role or Christian 2005 kind of era. Maybe not with the comedy stuff, but just physically what he can do. Yeah. And how he can just hold a match together and be a glue guy and be someone that a really over baby face can defeat. Uh, I think Trent has... Um, a lot of potential. I think we talked about it in our group chat, I want to say at some point too, but there's a lot of guys in the roster that under the right spotlight, um, you know, you give them a good look and they, oh yeah, this guy's so great. And I wish they did more to this person. And Trent's kind of become that guy for me of someone who I really appreciate now that I didn't have an appreciation for before. So I like the match too. I thought it was fairly good. It wasn't great. It wasn't outstanding, but uh, something you could go back again and watch and see some things in there and some wrinkles you didn't see the first time. Yeah. And I think you just made a good point because I, when I watched Trent, um, my biggest fear is them trying to make him be bigger than he necessarily really should be in terms of like as a star. And I think though, when you, when you kind of put him in that bucket of like Christian or like, you know, especially when you look at right now, the the main title picture where it looks like Hangman's going to be going against Lance Archer, like in a few years, Trent can be that guy, that middle guy that you have between your next big feud and your last big feud. And I think he's really good for that because he is really enjoyable in the ring. But I don't think for me, he would ever really connect as like a champion, like other than like maybe his tag champ, a tag championship run. I think him and Chuck Taylor probably deserve that. Um, But yeah, it was a good match. I think uh, for me, I love Adam Cole. I wish he would drop the Panama Sunrise. I just don't like like. Yeah, I don't like that. I hate the setup for it. It's it's just too contrived watching them get ready for it and everything like that. Um. But I do think, like Sean said, it was nice to have him facing against somebody who's got a his neck is uh, kind of his weakness right now. And that's pretty much all that Adam Cole does. So overall, that was a three star match for me as well. Chris, what was your match of the week? Mine was uh, the Sammy match versus Daniel Garcia. Now, speaking of a guy who uh, could use a win and someone that needs a solid victory, Daniel Garcia really, truly does. I thought he was actually going to get the title at one point. They did that sequence where he caught Sammy off the top rope, put him in the rear naked choke, then put him in the bully choke, then did the pile drive. And I thought that was enough moves to make it seem like, okay, Sammy lost to this. And especially with it being an interim title anyways, like who gives a fuck who has that belt? And it gives Garcia a big win, especially if Cody's going to come back as a baby face. So that's, I thought, the direction they were going. Um, 
the way that these two started off their feud on Rampage or was it Battle of the Belts? I, I, I forget, but um, they had some stiff kind of potatoes uh, to each other. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be a good match going into it. And it was very stiff. The work was very tight. They didn't do any, I felt, choreographed spots. Um, they ran into each other a lot, but there were great reversals and they had an intensity. I thought it was a three-star match um, that maybe if given more time or given a grander stage could have been a four-star match. I think Eddie and Jericho on the outside did have a distraction. They bring star power. I get it for the rating standpoint, but it was something just on there that took away from the work in the ring. Yeah, I, I would say that there were two things that took it away took away from me in that match. And it was with Eddie and Jericho on the side. And then also what you kind of touched it on is like, we just knew that Garcia wasn't going to get the win, which it's okay. Like to know that somebody's not going to get a win in a match, like whatever, usually that's okay. But he's lost so many times. Like this is like his spot is losing in the main event on shows. So I wasn't fully invested. Like when I saw that sequence, I didn't bite really because I was like, they've given me zero reason to really believe that a, he's been built up for this win and B that he really can pull off this win just based off of what he's done so far. Um, there was that, but I would also like to shout out to Daniel Garcia on Twitter. He's super interesting the way that he will then he'll almost break down the film. So if you follow him after a match, he'll actually like kind of retweet clips and then say what he was thinking in that moment and like why he did what he did. Uh, so he talks about the first time that he, how he blocked the first, uh, you know, what is, what is not the go to sleep? What is it? Go to hell. Is that the, hell, name yeah. of the go to hell? And like kind of what he was thinking going into the second one and why he transitioned into that rear naked choke and everything like that. I think that adds a really cool layer of realism to it, especially with his style. And it just shows that Daniel Garcia has a true understanding of who he is as a wrestler. And uh, I'm looking forward to the day that he does actually get that big win. And I hope that it is something that they kind of build up to um, because he deserves it. He's been great. And not that I think that they're mistreating him by any stretch of the imagination. I just think... um, I'm ready to see him get a couple of wins, even if it's against lesser guys. Yeah. And he's one of those next pillar type of guys too. And I think eventually he'll turn on a 2.0 after them getting in the way and being numbskulls and not helping him out. Um, you could almost even see it now happening. Uh, and I'd love to see him against Zack Sabre Jr. If they ever did anything through the forbidden door with uh, New Japan, or he went on New Japan strong and just did a match putting him over. I think he would do excellent there to really see how well he wrestles against uh, an elite grappler itself, uh, himself too. Uh, he's got a lot of tremendous wrestling ability and he's so smart at what he does. And I get the hype a little bit more now. I kind of always saw him as a guy who was doing jobs and I was like, okay, I, I like him and I see potential, but because he's always been disposable almost in a way with how much he loses, I couldn't get as into him, but uh, this match really put a shine on him. And I think he did a tremendous job and like what I see. Yeah, you guys said it great. He just needs to start getting some wins, and hopefully it comes soon. All right, now speaking of the next big thing, let's talk about our moments of the week. Uh, we all were on the same page here. We all love the acclaimed diss track video. Alex, wrap it. <laughs> Two grown men, and they going through a goth phase. That's all you get. Perfect. Perfect. So what stood out for you about the uh, video? I think, first of all, it's just that there's been plenty of people who have done this rapping gimmick before, but nobody's that's really pulled it off this way. Obviously, Cena's the first one that comes to mind. He used to kind of freestyle his promos, but it was very, you know, he was just talking in a rhyming format rather than like Max obviously comes out and, and you know, does his little freestyles. But like this type of thing was really, I just think it's really unique the way that they make a whole music video for it. It's actually a good song. Like I've listened to it I'm on Apple Music. Uh, and you know, it's, it's just really enjoyable to see like a guy who's got that side gimmick that actually is like, it's actually a talent that he has, like something that he could actually do beyond, right. you know what I mean? It's not, uh, like I know Cena came out with that, that rap album, but, uh, I don't think that would have ever came out without the, uh, the banner of WWE. Um, but I just thought that there was, it was a good quick song. It didn't, it didn't last too long or anything like that. I think if they could have, if they would have tried to do anything more, it would have been too much. Uh, obviously everybody loves an appearance from Stang. Uh, so that was great to see him in the music video. Um, and I just think that, uh, it's kind of, it reminds you a little bit of older, like the wrestling that I fell in love with back in the two thousands, where sometimes there's some silliness to it and that's okay, but it's not like the silliness of like, haha, we know this is fake. You know, it's just a different type than what you really see in today's modern wrestling. 
Um, you know, it was, it, I just, I love the whole thing. I honestly like, um, you know, my buddy Dominique mentioned, like, I don't, I've loved Max Caster pretty much since like he first debuted and that doesn't change. So anything he does, I'll probably like, but I thought that this was just a really impressive, um, impressive, impressive song, impressive video. Uh, they just made it, they just made it, um, way more enjoyable than I think most in the past would have ever been able to do. And we're children of the nineties and early two thousands. We love music videos. This was perfect. This is our old MTV. Um, it's perfect for that gimmick. Like you were saying, the, the albums of Cena were good, but definitely WWE branded. This clearly isn't to that star level or anything, but it just feels so gritty and cool. Just like AEW is um, Darby, Darby and Stang skipping down the hall. Just fucking fantastic. Um, they can, t- it's amazing how good of a rapper Max Caster, Max Caster is. Um, so many references throughout the whole thing. It's perfect. They need to keep doing this, but in like limited fashion for just really good, good uh, feuds that they're going to have for something that's meaningful or poignant. Like don't do it with just like a random 2.0 squabble in a a couple weeks or whenever's to happen, but fantastic job by him. This is great. Let's see it again and again, but spaced out. What do you think, Chris? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Max Caster can actually rap. And you mentioned too, like uh, having someone who has an occupation or a side gimmick they actually do in real life. I was going to joke like, wait, so you're telling me that Brit is the barber beefcake wasn't a fucking barber. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, he's, but he actually is like so much better than Cena and he actually has a credible rapper. And watching this, I thought, oh, shit, they can do these lazy Sunday or dick in the box type videos. And you do three of these, especially when they become faces, they're going to be big stars and it'll get picked up. I know Max Caster does shit on TMZ right now already. Um, It's not a huge platform, but it's something. And that's a way to get more eyes on the show. And um, if they have a pay-per-view matchup against, you know, Jurassic Express or something down the line, they can do a diss track before the pay-per-view and have a video for it and that can sell and i think they'll do a good job but especially when they turn face that's going to make them um become big big stars and i see them as uh a lot better version of the new age outlaws yeah that that catchphrase and entrance was so fucking over and it was so cool but there was nothing to them once they were actually in the ring and these guys can back it up more and they're younger they're not guys that have been have 15 different gimmicks before they got together. So I think they have a bright future and they could do something cool. That's unique and different. Yeah. And I think that what's really cool is also just the added layer that a diss track in those moments actually makes sense because Max Caster is into rapping and everything like that. Him making a diss track about somebody before a pay-per-view like big match hundred percent makes sense for the feud. And it's like, it's not something like, weird like it's not like something that's like corny like a song that they're making just to make a song like that's who max caster is so of course you would make that and it helps sell the pay-per-view a little bit the match or the feud oh yeah spot on i would i just made me think too of like when uh one of my favorite wrestlemania matches and angles was Shawn michaels versus kurt angle and yeah kurt angle did like the sexy boy song and dance parody but like there was no point to it like it just was awkward and weird and it was something to entertain vince um, so yeah, it actually has a point for them to be doing these disc tracks and it'll be interesting to see like how they can make things look from a visual standpoint. Like the video you mentioned, we're all, uh, children of the, of MTV. I got some, uh, nothing but a G thing uh, kind of vibes in it a little bit, like an old Compton type vi- video of like Dre and all those guys that kind of had a little, Definitely. Of that. I don't know. Uh, that was Definitely. cool. So anyways, let's go back to uh, speaking about Vince. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about when it comes to him. So news of the week um, and cringe of the week. We'll be talking about WWE a little bit. But first, let's start with Alex. So you had yours uh, regarding Mustafa Ali. Yes, uh, Mustafa put out a post yesterday on Instagram and on Twitter saying that he has uh, decided to uh, request his release from the WWE. And, uh, you know, kind of the main message behind it is I've got some things that I think go beyond wrestling, some goals that I want to achieve. And I wanted to achieve them in WWE, but it's becoming clear that that's not what I can do here. Uh, and then some further context that came around, it sounded like uh, from, I believe it was Sean Ross Sapp, who's basically said that uh, Ali had pitched a new gimmick. 
they gave they gave him the green light. He like filmed like one thing for it, and then they told him never mind. And then they pitched a gimmick that he would quote never ever have said yes to, uh, and that's kind of what led to him deciding to put in his uh, his his request for his release. Um, obviously, this is pure purely speculation, but I do know that uh, Ali has said in the past that he would never do any type of like a um, kind of like a like a Muhammad Hassan type character or like an evil Muslim character, because his whole goal is to kind of bring people together and, and show that we're not as different as uh, everyone sees. So my guess would be that it was something related to that that was pitched to him, especially kind of knowing WWE's track record. Um, but I just want to say no matter where he goes, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's going to do great. I think that he hundred percent fits the AEW mold and he's somebody that could come in. You could ask him what your, uh, you know, what are your ideas? And he can come in and make a compelling character and would love to see him show up as an open challenge to a TNT title match. Uh, hopefully within the, well, about 90 days from now, if he does get granted that release. It'd be great to see him in AEW. He was super fantastic in the ring. He's kind of checks all the little boxes and all his style. Um, and he would be a great face character because he, he kind of does seem to be an actual good person. He was formerly like a Chicago cop and just has a nice little family, just a good family man. So like, hopefully the release happens. Hopefully he goes on to another US TV show. Yeah. And he seems like a guy who could bet on himself and back it up. I know when Cody left, he said a lot of guys say this, but they don't have the work ethic. And uh, it seems like the guy has a lot of ambitions and could do well for himself on the indie scene. And if Ring of Honor does come to be again, I'm sure he'd be a guy that would be featured. And uh, yeah, everything you hear about him in real life makes him sound like a quality dude. So good for him for not going with something debasing and stereotypical, uh, especially if it's just going to make you miserable. Don't do it. Sean, your news of the week. So sticking in WWE news, um, they're changing the name of Crown Jewel to the WWE Annual Elimination Chamber, not Blood for Oil. It's the Elimination <laughs> Chamber. Still a little, little suspect in Saudi Arabia there. But uh, Meltzer got in a little trouble with some, some joke about uh, trouble with Auschwitz already being booked up. So they chose Saudi Arabia, another interesting topical place but it's february 19th um the the place it's going to be in this like superdome looks insane there's like no pillars or anything it's like a weird ufo landing thing it'll be interesting to see the chamber in there how it can hold up in a pillarless thing i feel like it's going to come crashing down with how heavy it was and that's why they had to stop it for so long ago they couldn't feasibly trap move that across the world and places didn't want to hang that from their rafters. So we'll see how it goes. I probably won't watch it on the cock, but the elimination <laughs> chamber, what do you guys think? I, I just wish that they wouldn't air the Saudi Arabia shows because they make them like they're not very rarely. Do they really have any tie in? It feels like, um, to the actual company. Like if you want to do these shows, that's fine. Go do your, these super things especially back when the first few, when they were having like Kane ran Kane and undertaker, Russell triple H and Shawn Michaels, like go do that. But just make that like a house show, like a large house yeah. show. Um, because like, it's just, I don't know. It just comes off so weird and forced, like with how they're like, cause they were going to call it something WrestleMania before they decided on this elimination chamber name. Like just, just make it. It's the large, like a large house show and don't, make it evolve and involve like the canon of what's going on, especially as we're building up to WrestleMania, it just seems weird and forced. And it's just, it's so funny just because WWE always has, it's like, uh, it's like guts from like the Nickelodeon show, like how they always like the mighty super aggro crack. Like that's what they do with like naming their pay-per-views or like everything's super, or, like everything's now going to be some sort of a WrestleMania. It's just, I don't know. It's weird. I don't like the way they name things, but, um, I have I have a lot of bones to pick with them. So like premium just, live event. Hey, I we I think that one's actually decent. I actually kind of yeah. It, it was nice. I I read it today and I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's nice. It's nice. I can't a wait for they do the greatest great balls of fire of all time. Uh, <laughs> the biggest balls of fire. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, gonna say too. I mean, the whole their whole relationship is just cringeworthy, and no respectable, intelligent person is gonna feel good about it. It's just impossible to divorce yourself from reality and their track record. Um, 
do you guys like the new elimination chamber design? I know this no. is kind of like it's not like a new new change. They've had it for a couple of years, but Wait, do you guys even yeah. like it? Like we talked like about the pads. The, okay, so not the, thing. the structure itself. It just looks less and less dangerous, which I mean is probably better for yeah. the wrestlers. Yeah. But like, you can't yeah. sell me on this being some crazy structure, and then it looks like, uh, you know, what's that place? The trampoline park, airtime. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, in Troy, but uh, it kind of goes with like just everything that WWE, like the two LED with everything outside the ring. Mm-hmm. That just looks a little bit. It looks too polished. Almost is probably my biggest complaint. Which um, I, but also if it makes it safer for the wrestlers, that's probably for the best didn't they make like the chains red too at one point just to try and add to it and just bad they, made it look they like a they did. did didn't they do that for rest or for hell in a cell hell in a cell oh yeah. Yeah. i want to say they did it red even for elimination chamber i feel like they did or blue or something yeah it just makes it feel like know. a toy set it, it, but it shows how much it does in your mind yeah i mean you know? i would love yeah, to, to see the old one that place that it once did I'd love to see those old ones with those just the gritty chains, the the whatever metal plating ground. That was that was sweet, but this is no longer cool. So uh, my news item of the week uh, is John Moxley returning to action when he goes to the Forbidden Door and is a surprise entrance in the Royal Rumble. Come on, you sheeple! <laughs> no. It's gonna happen. Oh, no, <laughs> come on, no. Just got everyone upset. No, but he is this action. He's going to be at GCW, so it's good to see him back. And hopefully, he'll be back uh, in W in AEW. Excuse me. And hopefully, he's doing better and uh, everything is all good with him. Um, yeah. So, just looking for him to be healthy and excited to come back and see him again on TV. But bringing up the whole Forbidden Door in the World Rumble, uh, might as well talk about this as well. So we saw a news story speaking of um, Fightful that uh, Cody is a free agent. So first of which, do you believe that he's a legitimate free agent? Second question, do you think he'll go and participate in the rumble? I believe that he very well could be a free agent. Um, I'm assuming that the EVP contract though, isn't like a contract. That's a, um, a full-time thing that you don't have to resign. So he's, I would assume still an AEW employee. Um, but it's my belief that he is probably doing this as some sort of an angle type of a thing. They purposely leaked this. I've seen other people make the point. Uh, this isn't an original thought, but AEW typically doesn't like things don't leak unless they're meant to leak. You know, I mean, look at the Brody situation, um, even the CM Punk stuff like that was kind of, I'm pretty sure floated over to fightful. Um, and so I think that there's something that's going on with this. I don't believe Cody would leave. I think that if there were truly reasons that he was potentially considering going, um, that we would we would have heard those rumors already. And I know that there were there was some like rumors early on that like maybe like him and the other EVPs weren't getting along great or whatever. But there hasn't been anything really since like those first few months that that came out. Um, so I, I don't I don't buy that at, at one bit. I think that he will be back. I think that this is going to be some way for him to get that title shot. And I think maybe this is just me being uh, hopeful, but I think it'll be what like kind of makes his true heel turn finally that we've all been uh, asking for. Sean, what about you? Yeah, I think you said it. I think it's perfect little gimmick to get out there that he's, he's still signed, but it's, it fuels the story that's inevitable to come for the perfect heel turn for him because how could we hate him anymore and being having some little little way out of this no title match clause is perfect for a, a heel turn for him. So I don't think it's real, but yeah, and I think you're right about the fightful leak. I mean, uh, he may be like an Adam Schefter type leak source where it's like, okay, we're just going to give you stories and that will have you uh, post it. But I am starting to get to the point of like Cody exhaustion of like every week there's something with him, uh, even when he's not in the ring. If he like next week, if he starts fucking Pete Davidson, I'm going to get really annoyed. <laughs> I can see that happening. At he's on the next Kanye song. Yeah. God. All right. So speaking of cringes, let's get into your cringes of the week. So, Alex, what was your cringe of the week? So originally, I actually didn't have anything. I thought that this week was decent, and I ended up having—I was felt like I was 
making one up almost, but uh, thankfully WWE never lets us down. And uh, <laughs> they they made a comment about the AEW women's title match, or not title match, the AEW women's match that happened just before the new year. Uh, Ty Conti and uh, Anna Jay versus The Bunny and Penelope Ford. Um, and they just kind of made some comments about, you know, how the, the amount of blood that was in that match is proof that they are uh, just different companies and, and everything like that. And basically kind of WWE trying to be on their high horse, which uh, real, real rich for a company that um, let's see, what are some things that I can pull out right now? You, the Eugene character, I think that's probably more offensive. Uh, Snitsky punting a baby. Um, Vince saying the N word on live television. Yes, there's one. Uh, how about how about uh, you know the whole pl- when uh, Orton versus Lesnar what was that 2013 2014 when instead of blading they had Lesnar use his elbow to cut open Randy Orton. WWE has no moral ground to stand on, and uh, for them to sit here and pretend that they're this like higher like higher class product uh, is just super annoying, uh, especially when like. Their product isn't good, first of all, and second of all, they aren't they aren't any higher class. Uh, and also, I think that from my perspective, if I you know like if I'm looking at it the way that AEW treats women versus the way that WWE treats women, AEW has women's matches that go longer than their entire Queen of the Ring tournament went, uh, and AEW <laughs> uh, also allows these women to have stories that aren't just like related to like oh well that's my boyfriend and you like looked at him wrong like you know like that's something that like wwe always does is those weird like love triangles and i mean AEW has kind of stayed away from those they don't really they try not to acknowledge a lot of these relationships usually except for brit and adam cole there's been kind of winks here and there and obviously this past week that changed but nobody knows really about anna jay and jungle boy or um you know some of the other couples that are on the roster and i don't feel like you see that in wwe wwe it's like the second it happens they're like okay you're a couple and then this is going to cause feuds now so just thought it was a stupid comment and i think chris you might have made them the uh the comment about it like when we were talking about it of like it's kind of proof that vince is actually potentially a little bit scared because this is like when he goes on the defensive like this. Oh yeah. This is classic Vince from, he did the shit in the nineties. Anytime that there was something that he didn't, uh, that WCW did, he would go like, Oh, we don't blade. And it's like, we had Bret Hart and bulldog blading the next night. Um, and this is a guy who's bled himself for at least twice a year for over a decade. Like he bladed all the time. I watched the match this morning of him versus flair, and he was blading. Oh, it was a great no. classic, just classic. That's my Vince, like silly moment. But I mean, uh, yeah, this is what to expect. And if they could, they'd do a bra and panties Royal Rumble. I mean, <laughs> just like for them to talk about degrading women. Come on. Um, like, I get it. He's trying to differentiate themselves and make their product look different. But um, it just rings false and it makes them look foolish. Yeah, and I was just going to say, um, the only thing I wanted to add from like incidents, it's like you care about people's safety, like the Owen Hart incident, like everybody acknowledges that that was an unnecessary risk for him to be taking when he did that, Um, which I know that was however many years ago. I hope that they have learned from it, but it's just the the perception that you give when you're like acting like you're holier than thou and you're clearly not. That's that's where it's annoying. Sean, did you have any thoughts on it? No, yeah, you guys said it great. It's just so hypocritical from a company that's lasted this long doing the absolute least for women and like having one, I don't think they did it a second time, all women pay-per-view and you just kind of tried to shine yourself then and then you failed. It's They can't stand on any moral high ground for the things that they've done. We could write a whole book on everything i'm Meltzer probably will and has someone everyone something got something bad to say about what vince mcmahon's done i mean the list is endless but um unlike that i think this week like you were saying was kind of just void of anything that was really memorable or kind of cringeworthy other than what wwe can do um that my cringe this week was only just last week i said shingo and okada happened at wrestlemania Thankfully not. Thankfully, that was Wrestle Kingdom, where it could be the way it was supposed to be. Um, even the great slip up sometimes. I'm willing to atone and <laughs> accept and admit. I'm on like stage four of it of the the 
the series. So I'm sorry it won't happen again. Maybe, maybe it will. I don't know. But just kind of an avoid week of cringeworthy or memorable items, I'd say. All right. Well, let's get into the debate now. So uh, I wrote an article on WrestlingTheLatest.com called Bittersweet Symphony. And it's about the finish to Wardlow and CM Punk. I hated the finish. I didn't like to see Wardlow uh, give Punk essentially 10 power bombs. One of them threw a table outside and Punk still getting the win. I thought it hurt his finish. Uh, and I just didn't find it believable um, and felt like they lost. They both kind of lost a little bit of credibility and they've been hitting pitch perfect notes the entire time. Uh, Punk's been in AEW and uh, Wardlow has been doing great. And MJF is always perfect, basically. So it felt like a false note. Uh, willing to forgive, obviously, because of their fantastic track record. But I just did not like this finish. Um, some people thought, I, I heard this clatter online, that it took the attention away from MJF and Punk by making it about MJF and Wardlow. I think they've done a good job of having like a primary feud and a secondary feud or a feud that moves slower. So I wasn't bothered by that. I just didn't like to see his finisher get uh, neutralized like that. What were your thoughts? Did you think... Uh, it was as bad as I made it out to be in my little whiny head. Oh yeah. I read it right before you sent it to like 10 minutes before we started this. So it was a really fast read, but I thought you were pretty spot on. I think like 10 power bombs, one through a, a table and all that. It's just, how is, how is he going to roll up him on that? It's just, it wasn't what I wanted to see out of a match that was uh, like, we were kind of expecting a interference to happen, but not in that way or, that outcome so it did kind of hurt wardlow in a little little slight but i think there's still much more to come down the road so hopefully this gets a little better but definitely check out the article on wrestling elitists alex thank you sean <laughs> yeah and i uh i i didn't have a problem with it but um i think part of it is because of the fact that i love mjf i love cm punk and i love wardlow so i think i probably give a little bit more um kind of leeway to them especially because it's like if if you miss once out of every 10 times like i'm still pretty happy with that hit rate i can see the uh the the side that you have of like it definitely i mean he took so many power bombs for him to be able to have the strength as you mentioned in the article to like be able to then roll up wardlow the way he did totally get that um i just think for me especially like then seeing the the kind of parallels to the bret hart and diesel match um there's probably a better way they could have done it where maybe Ward like Wardlow bumps his head on something uh, like the, like an exposed turnbuckle or something. So it at least makes sense as to why he's like stunned. Um, But other than that, I, I personally enjoyed it. And I, I was going into that wondering how they were going to do that match because obviously they don't want either punk or Wardlow to uh, take a, take a loss right now. Um, So I, I liked it. Uh, But once again, I think part of that's my bias for all of the people involved. All right, fine. But I did love Wardlow's <laughs> outfit, his new gear. That looked great. Yep. Pur- that purple yep. is a perfect color. Yeah, it looked it looked it looked awesome. And what's like American Gladiators went a little bit too. Like it made him look different. Yeah, American Gladiators going back to the '90s again. Just muscled up, oiled up, tight little little. Uh, what do you call those things? Leotard. Uh, singlet. Onesie. Beefy man. Singlet. That's and that is a singlet. beefy man. So. It was great. <laughs> uh, I did love the post match thing where uh, MJF came out a segment or two later and he made it seem like it was the biggest thing in the world that Sean Spears was going to wrestle Punk. And it's and it's especially fitting because obviously Wardlow's the only one that's going to matter in the pinnacle besides himself. So just watching him talk about Sean Spears like that and the way that he's able to sell it's going to be me and you know the whole fucking time it's not going to be him. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. Oh, he's so talented at what he did. I mean, I was, I was like, oh, I didn't like that finish. Oh, that match sucked. And da, 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 da. But he can just immediately turn it around, and they do have that ability, all three of them. So, yeah, and I mean, he even said, "I think you guys, you're finally going to get the match you all want to see." Yeah, which that's the match that nobody wants. Like when when we heard that CM Punk was going to be coming back to AEW, Sean Spears wasn't even on the list of the matches that we want to see. Not even. But I, I do, I do want to give a shout out. We've talked about it in our yeah. chat as well, like. Sean Spears has been doing great lately, especially yeah. with the accountability stuff. Um, 
he's been and he his promo on rampage was awesome so as much as i want to sit here and kind of you know shit on him and say that i wasn't this isn't a dream match for me by any stretch i'm actually kind of looking forward to it and i'm happy that he's getting this chance yeah me too i was because we, we we brought that up in our group chat and we talked about how um as much as we also like ethan page he over delivers sometimes and over deliver in terms of his demonstrative uh looks and stares and the kiss my buns posing he can sometimes come off a little bit too forced and sean spears does a perfect job of being big but subtle at the same time he has a lot of dimensions to him and he's a really good performer that was a fantastic promo and he did so much good shit with his eyes and his mouth and his facials he's uh really come a long way and or maybe not even come a long way it's just he finally had a moment to really appreciate what he can do um, totally recovered from that moment when he had like, remember when he had, uh, Tully's face on his underwear when his, like just, there was some goofy uh-huh. shit with him at one point. Um, that match against Cody didn't really land as well as it could have. Uh, so he didn't always get the grandest start, but obviously there's a hell of a lot of talent there and he can cut a damn good promo. So it's good to see him have a moment too. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with this. Yeah, and like you were kind of saying with Tully too, it's nice that he's kind of transitioned in a way where you don't even really notice that he hasn't been being followed around by Tully anymore. He's been taken up and passed on to the better FTR, and he's kind of made a good thing of the transition. He's really perfectly acting into this little pissant helper of the uh, the big boss. So good on him. It's much better than we were seeing in his NXT day. Well, a little bit to that perfect 10. That was good for a little bit. It got drowned out, but I think he's fitting this role perfectly. He's doing it flawlessly. And I'm excited for them. Not excited for the match. I'm looking forward to the match. It's definitely going to be fun. All right. Well, let's go into more of what we're looking forward to. So Alex, what are you uh, anticipating in the weeks to come? Yes. uh, So we saw it started on dynamite, but then moved into rampage this week. Jay lethal versus Ricky Starks. Um, Jay Lethal kind of starting to feud a little bit with Team Taz. Uh, really been enjoying that so far. And uh, I thought that the way that Jay Lethal kind of came out and cut that promo on Ricky Starks, first of all, uh, I know people are mad at, at Taz for saying, uh, I don't give a shit about ROH. I thought that was like the funniest line of the entire like, yeah. show, just the way he's just the way he delivered it. Um, but Jay, you know, in his promo, the the way that he acknowledged like, I know that this belt isn't recognized by AEW, but it is important to you, and that's why I want it. I thought that was just the perfect line right there. Uh, and then kind of going into you know him calling uh, him calling Taz Ricky Stark's daddy and, and stuff like that, just some some nice little jabs there. I'm really looking forward to it. I think Ricky Starks is one of those guys that we talk about. You know, the next pillars, he could totally be that if he could stay healthy after that neck injury he had, uh, because the guy can talk, he has the look, and he can also wrestle. Uh, so I'm excited to see him and Jay. I really want to see more of Jay Lethal. I think that you know he's kind of somebody that, from a indie wrestling perspective, I think he's one of the guys that you kind of grew up with if you watched any indie wrestling. Like as soon as you got into indie or, or ROH, I know that's technically not indie because they were owned by a company, but once you got into that world, Jay Lethal's kind of the guy that like everybody should know. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to this match and kind of seeing where both of these guys go from that because they're both super talented. And uh, I honestly don't know who they'll have uh, kind of go over on it. What were your thoughts on that? I love Ricky Starks' look. I love when he came out with uh, Powerhouse Hobbs with the short sleeves, but the gloves on Hollywood Hogan style. And his his looks are great sometimes. And uh, yeah, I like the pairing of him and Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal's a seasoned veteran. Um, he knew what notes to hit in the promo to make the match matter. And yeah, he's doing a lot of outside stuff and maybe he's got a lot of bookings and so forth. And it seems like, um, there's a lot of comments of, okay, how come we're not seeing Jay Lethal and he hasn't been on the show lately? Maybe he just has other obligations. I don't fucking know. But he's a good guy to have in the locker room because he's not old, old, where he's in his mid to late 40s, but he's been around and done things independently um, where he knows what to do. And I think he's going to do a fantastic job of elevating Ricky Starks. Now, what I hope happens, I hope he actually wins the title and then it's Hook to take it off of Jay Lethal. That would be a signature win for Hook. Uh, to get that over Jay Lethal. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I don't know if that's going to happen because the FTW title doesn't really matter too much, but it would matter if Hook had it. That's that's a hot idea. That's 
write that down, send, mail it down to Jacksonville. That's perfect. That <laughs> that's that's better than anything I could even think of. So yeah, wow. Uh, I like to see Ricky Starks when we get to see him. It seems it's few and far between with him, with the injuries, like you were saying. So these two in the match will be fantastic, and that's that hook with the FTW Championship, just making his daddy proud. That'd be great. That'd be great. Ricky Starks does um, have like a rock like presence though. Like he really does have like, mm-hmm. okay, that guy's a fucking star. And I didn't get why he was on commentary on rampage. Cause I was like, Oh, four fucking people. One of them screaming Jericho. It's just too much. And, uh, he didn't always seem like he brought a lot to the table, but he does have star power and he radiates it. And it makes sense to invest in someone like that and give him time to see what will come of it. Yeah. He's definitely got the gift of gab, but, uh, I'm looking forward to the um, House of Black experiment, the, the tag team match we got coming up with Varsity Blondes, finally all back together. First, I thought it was Griff Garrison. Then I thought it was Brian Pillman Jr. Now I definitely know it's Julia Hart. The way she, she tried to throw a little stoppage in there, it's got to be her. Go I'm calling it now. Uh, if it's not her this week, I don't know who it is. But uh, it was exciting to see Brody King kind of, I don't know if it was like the crowd or something, but something just felt off the whole time. It just didn't seem like the much anticipated debut I was like hoping to see, but he's great. I can't wait to see this tag team work together. They kind of check all this, the boxes you would want in a tag team. You got the big, strong man who throws his body around like a bowling ball. And then Malachi Black, who's so technically proficient. So can't wait to see that. And also two weeks away from uh, Beach Bash, Bash of the Beach, whatever we're calling it, but we're going to Cleveland we need to get that a card announced. We need to see some good matches and hopefully something with this MJF Punk. It's kind of leading right down to there, and that'd be a perfect match to main event. Gosh, you beach, that's, beach that's what we get. <laughs> that'd be worth it. I mean, yeah. how many beaches are there in Cleveland? That's, there's one beach. Let's give us one big match. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, too. Um, I was also uh, happy to see Lance Archer back. That was my uh, thing that I'm looking forward to, even though he's shopping at uh, wearing something from the Eric Young collection. The uh, (laughs) left boot was a little goofy. But hey, beyond that, um, I like Lance Archer. He's a perfect guy for Hangman to get a win over. Um, he's a great tall guy. He can do a lot of innovative shit in the ring. Looks like a real threat, but he's not always around a lot. It's not someone that AEW has to invest in. He doesn't probably have a long-term future run there. Uh, so he's a perfect guy for Hangman to beat. And Hangman needs to get some wins on TV. I know they made a joke about it and is crying that, um, in the match against Danielson where he hasn't won a hasn't won a match in 2022 which was funny joke but like at the end of the day like yeah he does need to have some wins and to have Hangman go yeah I know you're not a number one contender but fuck you I want to beat your ass tonight he needs to have a little Stone Cold Steve Austin moment like that uh and I think that would make him uh over more with the fans and I'm also looking forward to the mixed tag match uh I don't know if AEW has done a mixed tag match besides the Shaq one and that was a match with Shaq. So we'll see what this is going to be like. I think it'll be a good bout um, to have Satlander and uh, Orange Cassidy go up against, uh, you know, Britt and Adam Cole. It's nice to see them getting acknowledged as a real couple, too, uh, and playing off the comments that were made a couple of weeks ago. And now that they're actually out in a couple and on TV together, I like seeing that as well. So. Looking forward to that match as well. Even though it's not going to be a four-star classic, probably it'll still be entertaining as hell. Did um, Kenny and Riho tag, or was that somewhere oh, else? Yeah, that makes sense. I think they I have. Think it sounds they have. So I long thought ago. they did that. Like for some reason, I thought they did that like in DDT or something like that, like somewhere in Japan. Okay. Yeah, that no, sounds I think right. They may have done it in AEW too. Like when she was feuding with like stuff. Nyla Rose, maybe. Yeah, that seems about right. I don't know. I so long ago. I did want. I did want to say real quick about the Lance Archer thing. Um, that uh, I can't remember the name of his finisher, whatever it's called, that he did to Hangman onto that chair. That was brutal yeah. looking. That was mm-hmm. everybody dies. <laughs> like his, uh, oh yeah, I, yeah. I can't remember, but yeah. like I was like, I didn't think Hangman was going to get rotation in time before he hit the chair. Uh, but I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I think, I think, uh, Archer is definitely a guy who I overlooked back when he was in, uh, 
New Japan. What was the group that he was in with uh, Harry Smith Jr.? Suzuki uh, No, uh, what was oh. their like their tag team name? I can't remember it off the top of my head, but yeah. he hated them. And then oh. he had that good G one run, and he's been he's been great since. You know, he's been actually really enjoyable. Uh, looking forward to seeing him. Um, hopefully, uh, dragging AEW prospects to the ring with him again, though, if he's going to be a heel. So, yeah, um, yeah, he's a perfect little monster to kind of build some credibility. So, definitely looking forward to that. And I think if Dan Lambert is paired up with him, maybe that opens the door for Jake to go to the House of Black. Imagine that pairing. Damn, Holy fuck! You're full of good ideas today. I know. So I'm looking forward to that too. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe that'll be a 2023 thing now. We'll see. But uh, Jake is still under contract. So it's not like he's like gone. I know he's just concerned about COVID and restrictions and so forth. So he's not traveling or anything along those lines, but uh, I would love to see him back too. But Lance Archer is a great wrestler. I like him a lot. I think he's super underrated. So it'd be good to see him have a signature main event and do the honors to Hangman. Cool. Anything else you guys wanted to add before we wrap up? No. I um, think no uh, trivia from Sean. No, okay, man. No, no. Oh, no, not yet. Not wet. Just wait. Just wait. <laughs> We're building up a rap repertoire that you guys won't be able to handle. But you got you got but one week. Two week- yeah, we're we're two weeks away from the road to Cleveland. Well, we'll be sure to have some good stuff to come from that, I'm sure. So I just can't wait for that. Can't wait for that as well. Okay, well, that'll be a wrap for the show this week. Again, subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Elitist Podcast. Visit us at WrestlingElitist.com for our latest match reviews and articles. I have two new ones up on the website this week, and uh, there'll be more content coming later on this week. So uh, help support the show and website by sharing our content within the internet wrestling community. And finally, if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to address on the show, uh, hit us up in the comment section or email us on the website, and we'll bring it up on the show next week. All right, guys. Hit the music.